You're listening to episode 148 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the long run. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational, and let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners, and welcome to episode 148. My name is Letty. And my name is Ryan. And today we are in it for the long run. I've been waiting to say that in an episode, Ryan, for so long. <laughs> have you? No, not really. So you know that we have never talked about the long run in all of the 148 episodes that we have done so far? What is the long run? Exactly. That's what we're going to talk about. So for our newer runners and you, Ryan, who has his first marathon on the calendar in a couple months, um, this is a great topic. So let's hop right into it. Little disclaimer, so since this topic is not super scientific, we're going to tackle it ourselves, even though I usually love to bring on experts. But when it comes to long runs, I do have quite a bit of experience with marathons. I've done probably 40 marathons plus, starting with the LA Marathon back in 2009. I love marathoning, but for the almost first 10 years of my running, I did not train much for the marathons, as my goal during law school and my first few years of practicing law was just to finish them. But also I've never DNF'd, which for, you know, in runner's terminology means I've never not finished a marathon. And I think that was because I have done those few long runs, even if I didn't do anything else in uh, the couple of weeks prior to the marathon. In addition, I'm also going to give myself credit for uh, being able to talk about this topic because I did go through the Roadrunners of America coaching level one, not to be a coach, just because I'm a curious person. So I did hear a lot about what they have to say when it comes to running long runs. So, um, so here we are full circle with the long run. I think it's like the most valuable part is just having a, you don't even have to have a detailed understanding, but having a general understanding of how the body works and how these things work, because it helps make everything make sense. And like you and I have talked about this before, but in life in general, it seems much easier for us, other people are different maybe, but to have a way of understanding something and therefore not having to memorize everything. So you don't have to memorize like, oh, I do this you know, because it makes me faster. But if you understand why, then you don't actually have to memorize it. It's just an understanding. And hopefully that like, and that's what makes it fun for us is doing this research to try to understand everything. Credentials established to talk about the long run? Yes. All right. One more disclaimer. When we talk about the long run, every coach is different. Every person is different. What works for me doesn't necessarily work for you, vice versa. So, you know, take everything with a grain of sugar. Or salt. With a grain of salt. There you go. So, Letty, what's your definition of a long run? So, a long run is a sustained effort uh, run that is longer than your typical run. The purpose is to make your body more efficient at running and also stronger. Uh, you could also say it's the longest run of the week. And typically when we're talking in terms of training, we're talking about a run that's 90 minutes or more. And we're going to talk about what is too long of a long run here also in a little bit. 
So Ryan, what do you think are some benefits of the long run? And obviously, you know, we want to get stronger, but if you think about what happens to your body when you do a sustained effort multiple times um, throughout your marathon training, what do you think does that do to you? So coming from a musculoskeletal radiologist, talk about the bones, but we talked about it in the past too, how bones are dynamic and a lot of things in your body are dynamic and and they need to be used in order to grow or to get stronger. And so I think that's very true of your bones, ligaments, tendons, all that stuff too. So those long runs are going to add more stress over a period of time, which then your body will react by strengthening in order to compensate for that added stress. So I think it's definitely beneficial for that. I do see people that come in with like, you know, it's, I, I saw just recently a person that had an MRI of a knee. They had did a 10, 10 mile run. And they had a stress fracture of their tibia just from running. No injury, just from running. And so it was probably advanced in terms of number of miles or time running too fast. And if you had done, I mean, I don't know how long it took him to do it, but if you said did like a seven-mile run in preparation for your 10-mile run, it would probably have helped prevent or maybe prevented it. Yeah, that sounds good. And that's something that you always talk about when you're hearing about bone density uh, shrinking away or whatever <laughs> for women when we get older. And you are saying that putting stress to make your bones stronger. Another thing that I also read is that you can, or, you know, that a long run will build the number of mitochondria in your cells, which are the little energy factories that power movement and cell respiration. Yes, energy factories for sure. Yeah. Another thing that also gets stronger is the heart because it works harder to boost flow to leg, arms, and core muscles. And our ventilatory capacity, the ability to move oxygen in and out of our lungs increases as we develop our respiratory muscles. So uh, I read that if you start running at a really young age, which is kind of fascinating, you have more capillaries that build that it'll make you stronger later on, even if you don't continue running, if you do that early on in childhood. So that's just a kind of side note. But yeah. Um, you can actually build capillaries too later on in life. But yeah, and when you're a kid, it probably is faster. And the, the heart is a muscle, just like any other muscle. It's so harder to train because you're you can't just tell it to contract. In order to get it to contract, you have to stress it basically with aerobic exercise. And so you're basically working out your heart too. Perfect. A workout for the heart. Basically, your body gets more efficient at sending oxygen to the muscles. So the capillaries in the lungs can increase. The capillaries are what gets the red blood cells as close as possible to the air that you breathe in so that the oxygen can transfer to the red blood cell from the air and then your heart pumps the blood around your body and by your heart being more efficient and you say stroke volume so stroke volume is like the amount of volume that's being pushed by your heart per stroke or per beat so as that increases you can move more blood faster to your body so you're essentially it's basically like if you think of a bunch of buckets in a row trying to put out a fire. So, you know, the faster you can get those buckets down the row, the faster you can get the fire put out or the faster you can get the oxygen to your muscles and replenish what's missing. And with that, you're increasing your VO2 max. So that's really cool. We had a whole episode on that. 
Yeah, it's all mass balance things. You know, you the faster you can get the oxygen in from the air into your body and to your muscles, the higher volume of oxygen gets in there. So more VO2 max. So another thing that also happens is that your running form will or should improve if you're not straining, if you're not completely going too long to where you're not holding a good form anymore. Normally, what your body does is when you're doing something for a prolonged time, it tries to be more efficient, more economical. So muscles will learn through practice and your stride should improve through those consistent long runs. Another point I want to make on how the long run can benefit you is it'll teach your body how to fuel itself. Your body will learn to tap into your fat before your glycogen. Do you know how they always say there's a wall at mile 18? This will probably help you from hitting that wall. I think your, your body probably just gets used to, you know, using multiple energy sources. Like it adjusts to everything. So as we've discussed in the past, like glycogen is one of the main sources for energy for your body to use. Um, and then once the glycogen is depleted, then your body goes for other things, including fat, which is the storage of energy because it's the per weight, it's the most energy dense, meaning like you get the most amount of energy per amount of weight that it that you're putting on your body, essentially. Um, and then also it can use muscles and proteins and stuff for energy too. It can take proteins and convert that into energy. But as you've researched, it seems that like as your body has been, been stressed to take fat as an energy source more often, it gets more used to being able to do so. And it probably does so by preparing the pathways required to do that. Then once your body's used to that, it can do it more readily in the future and potentially use fat as an energy source more often so that you don't rid yourself of the glycogen storages too quickly. And so you don't hit the wall. Yes, we love that. Any Anything we can do to prevent hitting that wall, <laughs> build a bridge, get over it. Anyway, and last but not least, one of my favorite reasons or benefits that you get when you do a long run is you build mental toughness and confidence. Um, when you tow the line, the starting line, you know you can do the distance because you've almost done it in so many cases. So if you've done those long runs, I think more than anything, a lot of the times mentally, uh, they can help you be more confident and make you able to feel like you can run this whole marathon. So, Lydia, how long would your long run be for the marathon? So, the answer to this is it depends. It depends on many theories, many methods of coaching. There's a few coaches, including Ron Tab, the Hansen method, that don't let you do a single run longer than 16 miles, even if that means you're going to do another split run, meaning five miles in the evening. Um, they do that because the longer the distance is, the longer you the recovery period is that you might need so Ron Tab always says that if you're going to run longer than this then you're going to start breaking down your muscles meaning that in the next five days you will not be able to do another uh, another workout that we need you to do so there's that method. Then there's other coaches that do recommend the 20, 22, even 23 milers. So that's that. Is there any research as to what the best distance is? I'm glad you asked. So research has shown that two to three hours on your feet, regardless of your pace, is optimal for aerobic development. And like I said, that means regardless of pace. So if you are a 12-minute 
per mile runner versus a six minute per mile runner as the 12 minute per mile runner, you're just not going to go as far. And the major physiological benefits occur between an hour and a half to two and a half hours. Beyond that, um, you know, there's damaging muscle fiber breakdowns that happens and it takes weeks to recover from it. So kind of agreeing with what Ron had said. Another thing that happens is that your immune system is compromised after you do that exertive workout, which increases the risk of contracting colds and the flu. And um, that is actually one of the major causes of overtraining. Recovering from this can take up to 14 days or longer. And of course, overuse injuries, the risk of that goes way up. So Letty, you had a clip related to marathon distance and training times, right? Yes, I do by Dr. Jack Daniel. He's a world-renowned exercise physiologist and a coach of Olympic athletes. He received his doctoral degree in exercise physiology from the University of Wisconsin, and he's been coined the world's best coach by Runner's World many times. He's outlined his training philosophies in his book, The Daniel's running formula, and he mentors many coaches. So this is a two-minute uh, recording I'm going to play where he has his opinion on how long a run, a long run, should be. Yeah, well, marathon pace runs, and I, I do that. I didn't show you a picture of where marathon pace runs. Uh, there's no, not really much of a physiological benefit to marathon pace runs that you wouldn't get either from something else. But the marathon pace runs are really nice for people training for a marathon because they're getting comfortable at the speed they're going to, they get practice drinking at that speed. They can practice doing, you know, that actual speed they're going to do in the marathon. Uh, with my better runners that I coach, I've never had anybody go more than about 18 miles at marathon pace, but that's quite a while. <laughs> and we, we have this as the national coach for the Leukemia Society. Of course, we, we deal with some pretty slow people. People are taking five and six hours, and that always becomes a, a discussion, how long should a long run be? And I tend to limit it to two and a half hours. You can read at lots of places that you, got, you can't run a marathon if you didn't do some 20-mile training runs. Well, you ask Ryan Hall or Meb or one of these guys, do they do any 40-mile training runs? Because they would do a 40-mile training run in, in four hours. And we're asking these people who take six hours to run a marathon to do a 20-mile training run, that's going to take them four and a half hours. That's not, that doesn't make sense to me that the, the elite people don't want to run for four hours in a training run. Why? I don't want to get hurt. But we're going to have a beginner do it? I don't think so. I'd much rather go by time. What I usually tell people in their, when they're doing quite a bit of marathon training, your long run should be the lesser of 25% of your weekly mileage or two and a half hours, whichever comes first. I mean, come on, I ask these same people, do you think you could run two miles a day and complete a 10K? Oh, yeah, no problem, they say. But a marathon's different. You know, there's a dehydration and there's a f fuel thing and there's this and that. And, and I say, okay, how about you're training for a 100 mile ultra? What's their longest training run? About 30. So they can complete a 100-miler by doing only a third of their race distance in a workout. They can complete a 10K by only doing a third of their race. But for some reason, they got to do 80% of their race distance in practice to complete a marathon? That doesn't make sense. 
I'd rather they got hurt completing the marathon than hurt training for it and didn't get to start. So there you go. And still many first time marathoners always wonder why do they max out at the 20 mile for the long run? This is a pretty good um, explanation. Obviously, as we alluded to before, a long run can help you mentally, but you just got to trust the training sometime, right? Yes, I think what he's, a lot of the stuff he says is it makes sense to, so basically what he's saying is that like after a certain period of time, the physiologic benefits from, from running continuously stop. So there's no point to run further and you're just increasing your chance of getting injured. And, you know, the one thing that I would say is, you know, you obviously want to make sure, as we talked about before, to strengthen all your, your body to be able to tolerate with the, longer distance but you can do so just by your mileage right not necessarily the duration per running you know event essentially so you don't like i like his thought you know you don't want to run you don't go and run more than a couple hours at a at a at a single time and if you need to get extra miles in because you're slower than meb or one of these super fast people you just do more runs but not all at once Exactly. So what pace should your long runs be at, Letty? So according to this school of thought, obviously, again, there is more and your coach has a reason why he, he has a rhyme to the reason. If not, ask him why he gives you what. Um, long run should be performed at a pace that's comfortable and conversational. So what that means, it's, uh, should be a minute slower than your actual marathon race pace, 90 minutes slower than your current 10k pace or two minutes slower than your 5k pace. Again, just, um, ballpark. And this is just for running those, you know, getting time on your feet in. And again, these are easy paces to teach your body how to tap into your fuel sources efficiently. So the question then is, how do you start running long if you're not coached, if you're just running by yourself? A uh, simple rule of thumb is adding 10 to 15 minutes each week onto your long run. Uh, so that way you do make an easy progression and you are injury proof. So for example, if you're having a span of six consecutive weeks, you can do a two hour run, then the next week a two and a half hour run, and then a three hour run. And then you go back to a two hour run, two and a half hour run, and a three hour run the next week. And then you start tapering down for marathon day. So Ryan, that's uh, something that you can start doing for your June marathon. Yeah, there's no training going on here. I've been so busy with everything else. You can do those few long runs because they might just help you. It's going to be tour to Sweden, like a walk. <laughs> I can't wait for the week after that. <laughs> You're going to be so sore. Maybe. I don't know. I've done the halves and not had much of an issue, but a full think, double. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have diet recommendations for the long runs? Of course I do. So you eat a carb-dense meal of about 300 calories an hour before. Then you take a gel about 30 to 45 minutes with water. And then ideally... Aim for 30 grams of carbs every 30 minutes, or you can take a goo every four miles. But since we're talking minutes, we can give you the grams of carbs. Obviously, each goo has 80 to 100 grams of carbs. So 
maybe we'll stick with the four miles. Um, studies show that runners who fuel early on often have a better performance. I'm living proof of that. You know, back in a few years ago, I was trying to not eat as much during the run and see if I could sustain. And uh, it, it is true. You do need that constant fuel to help you. And that would be my method. Obviously, play around with the gels. Try them out during your training runs because you don't want to try anything new on race day. And yeah, so so that's that. And then, of course, after your long run, you want to make sure that you have a good meal. We've done some episodes on here about how to replenish what you've spent. We've had some great registered dietitians on on our podcasts, and I will link those episodes also in the show notes because I felt like they were really helpful when it came to fueling. So that's it for the long run. I think there's a lot of good tips in there. Thank you. I hope so too. If you have any questions, you can reach out to us and we can connect you to running coaches or our dietitians that normally talk to us because again, we're not running coaches. We just have a lot of information to share in regards to this and we love doing this type of research. So if you like this episode, please feel free to leave us a five-star review. We love any kind of input that we get. We actually had a great review last week from somebody. I think his screen name was Pimpin123. <laughs> we love reading them. We love hearing from you. So don't forget to reach out to us. And with that, have a great week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.